Hello and welcome to the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation SISM Live Series, where we connect with critical incident stress management subject matter experts live on YouTube. My name is Kelly Hall, and I'm the development coordinator for the ICISF and the host for the SISM Live Series. My guest speaker today is one of ICISF's co-founders, Dr. George Everly, an award-winning author and researcher. He is considered one of the founding fathers of the fields of disaster mental health. Dr. Everly has spent almost 40 years and traveled over 25 countries lecturing on and researching the psychological aspects of disaster. In addition, he has served on the faculties of the FBI National Academy, Federal Emergency Management Agency or FEMA, and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and firearms and explosives. Dr. Everly is the author of over 20 books on stress, psychological crisis intervention, disaster mental health, and human resilience. Welcome, Dr. Everly. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah. I'm here. So today we're going to be discussing wellness and psychological body armor during the pandemic. So, what is your definition of wellness? So I guess we need to think of wellness on a continuum. So at one end of the continuum would be disease. And that's what our healthcare system is geared to respond to. In the middle of the continuum, we would have health, uh, which I'll simply define as the absence of disease. But then there's something else. If we move a little bit further to the right, the other end of the continuum, we'll find wellness. And wellness is not just the absence of disease, but rather it's a higher level. It's being able to perform uh, at your optimum levels. Uh, your health is functioning at its optimum levels. Uh, and psychologically, you're functioning at your optimum levels. So that continuum is dynamic, certainly. It responds to things in the environment, the events that we go through, and, and, and certainly illnesses that we acquire. But what we think of from the wellness perspective is what do we do to promote wellness? Not just the absence of disease. So for me, wellness is this higher level functioning. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, so when, when talking about wellness, uh, what, do you, what do you mean or what's your definition of psychological body armor and how does that relate back to wellness? Well, that's a good question. So if we think of things that we can do preventatively and, and wellness focuses on prevented, uh, prevention, I should say. Um, so there are things that we can do to promote our, our physical health and, and preventive steps. We can eat properly. We can uh, attend to rest and sleep. Uh, we, can, we can avoid certain high-risk behaviors. Um, and, and those are preventive in nature. Psychological health is a little different matter. The same rules apply, but perhaps different factors. So I think of resistance. I think of immunity. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it be nice, Kelly, to, if I said to you, 
Kelly, I've got this pill and it'll make you immune to stress. Would you be interested in taking that pill? Well, of course. I think most people would, right? Yeah. So, so interestingly enough, we don't have that pill, but we have the technology to make you not completely immune, but resistant. So to try to capture that notion of psychological immunity, I just developed the term psychological body armor. Why? Because as many put on physical body armor, military, first responders, to protect them physically from harm, should we not be able to put on psychological body armor that protects us from psychological injury? Well, we now have the technology. So that's where the term came from. Awesome, thank you. So why, well, I guess maybe you can expand upon it. Why is psychological body armor so important, especially now during the pandemic? Um, can, you, can you elaborate upon that? Well, you're, you're also asking the question, the question, why is prevention important, right? Mm -hmm. So, frankly, preventive medicine has been a hard sell um, for, for decades. In fact, few people really know the history of wellness. The modern history of wellness goes back to the 1970s. And it was largely spawned by a book by the famous physician researcher, uh, Jonas Salk. Of course, he was famous for developing the Salk vaccine, which was a, a boon to the entire world. But like great minds, um, other great minds, he, uh, he became a pragmatist. He became philosopher in some ways. And he wrote a book, Survival of the Wisest. And he said, the wisest focus on prevention. The old guard, the old epic was, was treatment. You get sick, you get treated. You get sick, you get treated. And he said, you know, there is great wisdom, if you will, to investing in prevention. The sad story is the late 70s and the early 80s, that wellness movement died out. Why die out? Because we were in a medical system, a healthcare system, that simply viewed medicine as treatment, that healthcare is treatment. And, and, and frankly, the studies, the economic studies on prevention were not particularly compelling. So on some level, perhaps it became a dollars and cents bottom line issue. The good news is we are in the renaissance. The renaissance of wellness probably started in the latest 1990s, um, and it was spawned in the workplace. So there are actually some seminal and, and just really, really effective wellness workplace programs out there that some actually date back to the 80s. Um, but we've seemed to have discovered that, especially in the emergency services, uh, where we routinely put people in harm's way for psychological injury. Does it not make sense? Is it not ethically compelling that if you know someone is in harm's way for injury, that we do something to protect them? And 
where this is now coming to fruition is in the wellness movement. In fact, many critical incident stress management teams are housed within wellness initiatives in various workplaces. And, and I think that's great. But from if you examine critical incident stress management and you take a look at things like the safer one-on-one -on -one crisis intervention model, diffusings, critical incident stress debriefings, crisis management briefings, these are largely reactive. Something bad happens, we do them. You don't do a debriefing when nothing bad has happened. Psychological body armor is different. It's putting on the body armor so that Perhaps you won't get knocked down. You won't be psychologically injured. But if you are, that injury is likely to be less severe. Think of it as an uh, inoculation of sorts. Even in flu season, seasonal flu, it's possible that you get the flu shot, seasonal flu shot, but you still get the flu. Chances are it'll be a milder case than you would have gotten otherwise. Some cases... You won't get it at all. You won't manifest symptoms at all. And that's the job of the vaccine, right? Mm -hmm. Think of psychological body armor as a psychological vaccine. Why is it important to your point in COVID? This is the most severe disaster I've ever studied in 40 years. Its psychological toxicity is unrivaled, unparalleled. Uh, we've never seen anything this bad. And this to, to borrow the vernacular, this ain't my first rodeo. This is actually my third pandemic. So I've studied up close and personal three pandemics. And where I uh, usually hang out, although not physically these days, at Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins is considered the brain trust of what is happening in the world of, of pandemic. But it's, it's not an unusual role for us for we actually led the world in researching the Spanish flu in 1918. So the traditions are there. Um, and yet, even with the Spanish flu, as I go back through the archives and I read the firsthand personal reports of the Spanish flu from the Hopkins perspective, nothing has been this severe. So if ever there was a time to buffer, there is... Uh, to buffer the adverse effects of a pandemic, mm -hmm. any adversity. This is this is the time. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, in your in your new ICISF online course, uh, the secrets of psychological body armor, holistic wellness for emergency personnel. You talk about the importance of interpersonal support as being one of the six core elements of psychological body armor. Uh, what do you mean by interpersonal support and why does this play an important role in our um, overall resilience? So the single best predictor of human resilience is the support of other people. Critical incident stress management is the epitome of getting support from other people. Mm -hmm. um, so if we understand that interpersonal support is so imperative, we must also take those roles very seriously. So it's not just about 
sitting down talking to somebody and hoping something positive happens. We enter someone's life at what may be the most stressful point in their entire existence. Do we not, <clears throat> excuse me, do we not have an obligation to do it well, to do it informed? That's what training does. So rather than offer up a verbal Hail Mary, hoping to say something right, we won't say something wrong. I don't know about in your life, Kelly, but in mine, sometimes I've tried to help somebody. I've said just the wrong thing. I think it happens to all of us at one point in our lives. So how do we reduce that likelihood of saying something wrong? And how do we recover quickly mm -hmm. if we do say something wrong? This is all training. This is, these are the things that we must take very seriously. We must take the training very seriously. When we go now to the psychological body armor, it's a broader scope than any CISM initiative has ever been. Why? Because you mentioned there were six factors. So interpersonal support is one, but we certainly talk about rest, sleep hygiene. We talk about nutrition. We talk about physical exercise. You get the idea. So mm -hmm. we have developed this course, this asynchronous course, and we hope to develop and offer the uh, in-person virtual course at the World Congress. And then hopefully when we get back to some sense of normalcy and training, we'll be offering the course in, uh, uh, in real time, in person as well. We also okay. develop a train-the-trainer program as well. So when, when, when talking about interpersonal support, what it, in your opinion, what does that look like during the pandemic? So ha, like how can our viewers um, actually put that into action during the pandemic? So it's first step perhaps, which is certainly a challenge. Abandon the term social distancing. Let's start there. It's not social distancing. Is physical distancing. In fact, socially, we want to get closer because interpersonal support is so imperative. Mm -hmm. um, we advocated ICISF, and we have since day one of our existence, a concept called peer support, which is the notion that effective crisis intervention, effective wellness can be taught by people other than physicians, nurses, and mental health clinicians. In fact, from the psychological standpoint, we know that uh, peers, people outside of the mental health discipline can be as effective as psychiatrists, psychologists, and social workers, given proper training. That's the key, given proper training. So if we take a look at the application of peer support, uh, if we take a look at the, uh, the application of interpersonal support, regardless of where we find it, whether it's at the workplace, whether it's at home, perhaps, you know, a lot of people hold it together really well at the job and then they crash and burn at home. Mm -hmm. um, so what we try to do is foster this notion of the imperative of interpersonal support. But when we do, uh, let's, let's do it well. That's great. Thank you so much. Um, so since last March, healthcare, frontline workers, and even crisis responders have ex 
experienced an abundant amount of stressors uh, since the pandemic began. So what are some important wellness tips for all of our viewers to increase their overall resilience during this difficult time? So let's go back to your previous question about interpersonal support and expand from there. Mm -hmm. So if we abandon this notion of social distancing, but embrace the notion of physical distancing, how do you pull that off? So first and foremost, it's hard to take care of somebody else if we can't take care of ourselves first, if we're feeling badly. So I think first and foremost, we need to be kind to ourselves, take care of ourselves. It's not selfish. It is the single best way to help others because if we are healthy, we can better help others. So it's not selfish at all. This is a time of social vitriol. Um, I've never seen in my lifetime a country so divided. Division, social division erodes resilience. And that's a problem. Mm. So the second thing I would recommend is listen to other people without dismissing their points of view out of hand before getting angry and just dismissing them. There is a reason, there's always a reason a person holds a disparate point of view. You may not agree with it, and that's fine. It seems to me that social discord will be reduced if we can at least take time to hear another's point of view. At the end, try to see the world through their eyes. We do not have to agree with them, but at least we will understand them. Maybe that'll help us find, maybe not on that point, but some other common ground. Mind the gap is a third thing. What does that mean? So Viktor Frankl, the famous psychiatrist who spent time in the concentration camps in World War II, said there is a stimulus and there's a response. There's a thought and then there's an action. He said that we often get ourselves in trouble when that gap is narrow. We act impulsively. Well, we know that intuitive thought is wrong about 70% of the time. Our impulsive actions based on intuitive thought usually get us in trouble. Can we spell road rage? Can we spell airline rage? How many times have we done something impulsively and instantly regretted it? So spread the gap, mind the gap. I think that this is a time interpersonally, a fourth point, to, to reach out to others. This is a time to foster current relationships, even if we do it virtually like this. This is a time to reach out, even if it's through text messaging. This is a time to bury old hatchets. This is a time to perhaps create the relationships you wish you had. It's all about whom you know, whom you know, whom you know, in terms of fostering resilience. But I think the most powerful lesson to be learned, a fifth point from the COVID, is we, we know this is, to borrow a phrase, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, every major pandemic in modern history has lasted 24 months. And it has come in three waves. We are in the third wave. Psychological adversity typically follows three to six months after the physical wave. 
our models are working. I mean, despite what you will read in the newspapers or hear on commentary, our models were, were quite effective. Our models predicted a peak in mid-January, and that's at least on the East Coast, that's where it, when it occurred. And therefore, we can expect that uh, the peak in psychological angst, distress, will be several months behind that. The vaccine, of course, will be a game changer, but if, if we put all of our hopes on the vaccine, we will be disappointed. So realistically, we're looking at probably the fall before we begin to regain some modicum of normalcy. Mm -hmm. in, in 2008, I actually wrote to co-authored a paper that predicted this pandemic. Five people read it. Um, now I think five million people have read it. Um, we are now, I think it's fairly safe to say, we will be looking at another pandemic in another 10 to 12 years. Um, so forewarned is forearmed. What are we going to do about it? Especially from a psychological standpoint. If this is indeed a marathon, not a sprint, perhaps the old aphorism, life is a journey, not a destination applies. If you believe that life is a series of destinations, you set yourself up for failure, for disappointment. The vaccine, again, what are people saying? That's the destination. The vaccine is here, we're, we'll be good. Now we're saying, well, wait a minute, not so much. It's not, maybe, maybe it's not working on the new strains. Maybe it's making some people sick. It's certainly not getting out as quickly as we had hoped. See what you've done, you set yourself up for failure. If we view this as a journey, the vaccine is one milestone. One of the things that Viktor Frankl told us is that he could generally tell who would survive, all other things being equal, who would survive in the concentration camps and who would not. And it was not physical health that predicted more powerfully. It was psychological health. The people that took the journey one day at a time understood the concentration camps were one milestone, but there was something else. Those are the people that did the best. Again, all things being held equal. I think that's something that we need to understand with the COVID as well. This is a journey. We will make it through. Um, but one day at a time. Keep your eyes to the future. The light at the end of the tunnel really is light, not an oncoming train. Um, and that's important to keep in mind. But if we view life as a journey with simple milestones, so what it means is that the, each milestone is an opportunity to advance in the same direction or perhaps change directions, do something differently. There can be no such thing as failure if you view this as a journey rather than a destination. Only with destinations can we fail. Attitudes matter. As the Stoic philosophers said, there's no such thing as reality, absent your perception and interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. This is a time when we need to be kind to ourselves, kind to those around us, and keep our eye moving forward. Well, thank you for all of those, all of those tips and the advice. I, I know myself, I sincerely appreciate it and I'm sure our viewers do as well. Um, if any of our viewers, if you've enjoyed our discussion today and would like to learn more about wellness and psychological body armor, you can actually register for our new online course by Dr. George Everly, The Secrets of Psychological Body Armor, Holistic Wellness for Emergency Personnel.
This is an asynchronous online course, meaning there is no instructor. This science-based online course is designed to aid you in building a personal culture of resilience and holistic health. To learn more about this online course and to register, you can visit our website at icisamfsnfrank.org backslash remote dash learning. Uh, the link is also in the description of the video as well. We've also developed an ICISF app resource called the Secrets of Psychological Body Armor Resource. This is a science-based digital wellness resource which provides individuals with tools to better understand, uh, better withstand and rebound from stress and adversity. To learn more and get your digital resource, visit app.icisamfsnfrank.org in your web browser on your mobile device. Uh, to learn more about ICISF's additional pandemic and CISM related resources, such as videos, handouts, podcasts, and the Crisis Journal, you can visit our website at icisf.org backslash resources, or click on the link in the description. I would like to thank Dr. George Everly for joining us today for our CISM Live series, where we connect with critical incident stress management subject matter experts live on YouTube. You guys can join us next Wednesday, February 24th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we speak with Mark Junkerman about first responders finding music within the noise. And be sure to subscribe to our ICISF YouTube channel so you don't miss out when we go live. Uh, thank you all for joining us today and we hope to see you next time.